Chapter Twelve of Marjorie Dean, High School Junior. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Marjorie Dean, High School Junior by Pauline Lester. Chapter Twelve A Doubtful Victory. Marjorie Dean, you are true blue, exclaimed Muriel. Whatever possessed me to write that awful note? If Miss Merton had read it, well, you can guess what would have happened. I shook in my shoes when I heard her ask you for it. I'm glad I didn't give it to her. An angry sparkle leaped into Marjorie's soft eyes. She only made a fuss about it because it was I who had it. I think Miss Archer understood that. I love her for it. She treats us always as though we were young women, not as naughty children. But we mustn't stand here. It's four o'clock now. I'm afraid we won't have a chance to play. Only about fifteen or twenty juniors are going to try for the team. It may be made already. Marjorie picked up the bag which contained her basketball suit and tennis shoes. Let us hustle along then, urged Muriel. Seizing her friend by one hand, her luggage in the other, the two raced for the gymnasium, hoping against hope. It's all over, Muriel cried out in disappointment as they entered the great room. I am afraid so, faltered Marjorie as she noted the group of bloomer-clad girls standing idle at one end of the gymnasium. Here and there, about the floor, were others in uniform. Altogether she counted eighteen. Ellen Seymour and two other seniors were seated on the platform, their chairs drawn together, their attention apparently fixed on a pad on Ellen's knee. Spectators had been firmly but politely denied admission. Ellen had pronounced them a detriment to the tryout and elected that they should remain away. Hello, Marjorie Dean, joyfully called out Harriet Delaney. As she hailed Marjorie, she ran toward the two girls. We thought you were lost to us forever. Where were you, Muriel? You surely didn't have to stay. Did you make the team? was Muriel's excited query. Not yet. Harriet's eyes twinkled. The tryout hasn't begun yet. Hasn't begun? echoed two voices. No, Ellen was awfully cross about the way Miss Merton acted, so she said we'd wait for Marjorie. Then when Muriel didn't appear, she said that if neither of you materialised, she would have the tryout put off until tomorrow. Miss Davis is so busy with that new system of gymnastics she's going to adopt this year that she's left basketball to Ellen. I don't see how she could help herself, though. Last year the juniors and seniors ran their own teams. Ellen's a dear, exulted Muriel. We are lucky to have her for manager. Marjorie and I will be her grateful slaves for the rest of the year. I wrote that note, so naturally I had to stay and face the music. You did? It was Harriet who now registered surprise. What was in it? Muriel giggled. She could now afford to laugh. 
Oh, a lot of sweet things about Miss Merton. You can guess how sweet they were. Goodness, breathed Harriet. No wonder Marjorie wouldn't give it up. She, why, she's gone. Marjorie had stopped only to greet Harriet. While Muriel was explaining matters, she slipped away to the platform where Ellen Seymour sat. It was splendid in you, Ellen. She burst forth as she reached the senior's side. Thank you ever so much. Hurrah, here's Marjorie. Ellen sprang up, her pleasant face breaking into a smile. I'm so glad you came at last and so sorry for what happened. You must tell me how you came out. But not now. We shall have to hustle to make up for lost time. I suppose you know Miss Albert and Miss Horner, no? Ellen promptly performed introductions. Pleased to meet you, nodded both young women. Neither looked specially delighted. Miss Albert, a small, plump girl with near-sighted grey eyes, bowed in reserved fashion. Miss Horner, a rather pretty brunette, acknowledged the introduction with languid grace. Marjorie had long known both by sight. On two different occasions she had been introduced to Miss Horner. Afterward, on meeting her in the street, the latter had made no sign of recognition. I suppose you are satisfied now, Ellen, drawled Miss Horner sweetly. You are lucky, Miss Dean, to have Ellen for a champion. She insisted that we must wait for you. I am very grateful to her. Marjorie made courteous reply. Had there lurked a touch of sarcasm in the other's polite comment? Miss Merton is altogether too fussy, remarked Miss Albert. Her blunt tone quite belied her reserved nod. She tried that with me last year. It didn't work, though. Her air of constraint vanished in a bright glance, which indicated friendliness. You must remember that she has a great deal to try her, reminded Miss Horner softly. Again Marjorie thought she sensed hostility. She laid it to the supposition that Miss Horner was, perhaps, a trifle peevish at being delayed. Yet she could not resist the quiet comment, Miss Merton is also very trying. Of course she is, agreed Ellen warmly. You know it as well as we do, Charlotte Horner. You have no cause to love her. Just remember how cranky she was to you during your freshman year. That was a long time ago, shrugged the senior. I understand her much better now than then. The placid answer held a suspicion of condescending approval of Miss Merton. I'm glad someone does, flung back Ellen with careless good humour. Hurry along, Marjorie, and get into your basketball suit. I shouldn't have kept you talking. Drawing her aside, she whispered, I'd rather see you play centre on the team than any girl I know. It seems to me, Ellen, drawled Charlotte Horner as her indolent gaze followed Marjorie across the floor to the dressing room, that you are babying that Miss Dean entirely too much. Someone told me the other day that she has a bad attack of swelled head. I must say I think herself opinionated.' 
she answered me very pertly. "'If you mean her remark about Miss Merton, she only spoke the truth,' defended Ellen hotly, completely astonished by the unexpected attack on Marjorie. "'She is not in the least self-opinionated nor vain. It's remarkable that she isn't. She is very pretty and awfully popular.' "'Glad you told me,' murmured the other, lazily unbelieving. "'I know several girls with whom she is not particularly popular.' To this Ellen made no response. With vexation at her own stupidity, she now remembered too late that Charlotte Horner had always been rather friendly with Mignon LaSalle. Remembering only Charlotte's undeniable prowess as a basketball player, she had asked her to act with herself and Layla Albert as one of the three judges at the tryout. This explained why Charlotte had not been in favour of postponing the tryout in case Marjorie were detained indefinitely. Ellen found herself hoping that personal prejudice would not influence Charlotte to decry Marjorie's work on the floor. I think Miss Dean is very nice. It was Layla Albert who made this announcement. Her reserved manner had arisen merely from shyness. She was a quiet, diffident girl who, beyond an enthusiasm for basketball, had mixed little with the social side of school. She was an expert player who had been on the same team with Ellen during her freshman, sophomore and junior years. Accordingly, she was eminently fitted to judge the merits of the respective contestants. That's sweet in you. Ellen flashed her a grateful look. It would be two against one in Marjorie's favour. Within ten minutes after seeking the dressing room, Marjorie issued from it ready for the fray, wearing her sophomore basketball uniform. Running up to Ellen, she announced, I am ready. So is Muriel. In a lower tone, she added, It was dear in you to wish me well. Then she trotted over and joined the contestants, who had gradually collected in one spot. All right. Ellen left the platform and approached the fruitful material for junior honours. Girls, she began with an elaborate bow. Behold your stern manager. She was interrupted by giggling applause. Cheerful Ellen Seymour was beloved throughout Sanford High School. Much obliged, she nodded gaily. As I was saying when interrupted by your heartfelt appreciation, I am your manager. This year there will be no senior team. The seniors have soared to heights beyond mere basketball. I had to soar with them, though I wasn't in a soaring mood. Since I can't play the good old game alone, I've decided to bury my disappointment in managership. Of course you know that you can't all play, so if you're not chosen, don't be disappointed. It's going to be an absolutely fair tryout. If you're chosen, it is because you are a better player than the girl who isn't. Now please, line up until I count you over. It was a nondescript line that whipped itself promptly into position. There were the five grey-clad girls who had made up Mignon LaSalle's famous team. 
there were also the five black-garbed players who had comprised Marjorie's squad. Besides, there were ten new applicants in blue gymnasium suits who had not been fortunate enough to make either of the two teams that had striven against each other in the sophomore year. These girls had decided to try again, hoping that better luck would be theirs. Marjorie thrilled with excitement as she cast a quick glance up and down the line. Every face was set in determined fashion. It was going to be much harder than ever before to make the team. Ellen Seymour walked up and down the row of girls with the air of a general. She was shrewdly calculating the best plan of action. It would hardly be fair to try out the black and scarlet girls against the greys, leaving the other ten of lesser experience to play against each other. Among the new girls there was undoubtedly some excellent material which contact with the regular players was sure to bring out. She therefore chose five blues to play against two greys and three black and scarlet girls. Mignon and Daisy Griggs represented the greys, Marjorie, Susan and Harriet Delaney the black and scarlet. Clearing the floor of the others, Ellen signalled the two teams to their places and soon had the ball in play. It seemed very strange to Marjorie to find herself once more on the same team with Mignon LaSalle. She was too busy attending to her own affairs, however, to give it more than a passing thought. Centering her whole mind on her work, she played with her usual snap and brilliancy. After twenty minutes' energetic work, the warning whistle sounded retreat. Then the other ten girls remaining were ordered to the floor to show what they could do. When, after the same allowance of time, they had been called off, the three judges went into consultation with the result that ten names were struck from the list Ellen held. These names Ellen read out, expressing a regret for the failure of their owners to make good that was in a measure quite consoling. They left the floor to their more fortunate sisters, apparently with the best possible grace considering the disappointment that was theirs. There were still left Susan, Muriel, Marjorie, Mignon, Daisy Griggs and Anne Easton of the seasoned teams. The other were four of the blue-clad girls who had done surprisingly well. These ten were again divided into opposing fives and went at it with a will. Trill! Ellen's whistle at last called an end to the spirited fray. The girls pattered off the playing floor. Grouped together, they breathlessly awaited the verdict. This time it was longer in coming. Up on the judges' stand, Ellen Seymour found herself participating in the wrangle with Charlotte Horner, which she had not anticipated. But Marjorie was not alone subject of it. It was Mignon's basketball future, too, that now tottered. Four names had been struck off the list of ten. It lay between Mignon and Marjorie Dean as to whom the fifth should be. Mignon is a better player than this Dean girl, sharply argued Charlotte Horner. But poor Mignon simply wasn't up to her usual form today. But it's today that counts, else why have a tryout? 
protested Ellen. Marjorie has completely outplayed her in this last test. I consider Marjorie the better player at any time. She is reliable, Mignon isn't. I insist that Marjorie shall have the position. I think she's the best player of the whole team. And I insist that Mignon must have it. In her anger, Charlotte forgot her usual languid drool. It rests with Layla. Ellen shrugged her shoulders. What is your opinion, Layla? Miss Dean is the better player, declared Layla stolidly. Anyone can see that. Two against one, the eyes have it. Ellen drew a firm pencil through Mignon's name. And thus Marjorie Dean won a victory over Mignon LaSalle, which was destined to bring her a great deal of unhappiness. End of chapter 12 Recording by Ashley Jane